Hey guys, I want to welcome you back to our series, Take It Back. And today we are wrapping up a four-week series that we've been in. And I'm just telling you, I have heard the stories come in each week about what Jesus is doing in your life, in your small group, in your marriage, in your family. And my encouragement to you is keep following Jesus. Listen, when Jesus is on the move and when Jesus is passing by your life, you don't want to sit back and just let him walk by. You don't want to just stop and try to figure it all out and try to ask a bunch of questions. You just want to jump in the flow of wherever he is and follow him. And that's what so many of you have done during this series. And I'm so grateful and so excited. I've heard stories about small group leaders talking about people in their small groups and how on fire they are. And last week's message talking about passion was just a foreign concept to some of you because you're so passionate about Jesus right now. Maybe you've just kind of taken the cellophane off your Bible and it's just got that fresh new leather smell to it. Like it's a foreign concept that you could lose your passion for Jesus Christ. My encouragement to you, don't go hang out with a bunch of boring Christians. You stay in love with Jesus, keep following Jesus. And if by chance some of you last week just resonated that it's possible to lose your passion and not only is it possible, you've kind of found yourself there. I want, you to, I want you to hear me say, welcome to following Jesus. It is hard. There are bumps along the road. It's not all clean. It's not a bumper sticker. Hey, love Jesus and everything works out fine. It's not that way in following him. It's not the easiest life, but it's the best life. And my encouragement to you, and these are the, some of the emails I've received and some of our staff, we've heard that last Sunday's message just rekindled you to get back in the game if you've been out. It just kind of lit a fire under your passion to keep falling more in love with Jesus. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about because here's the reality. A long life's journey, we lose things. And I'm not talking about car keys. I'm talking about passion for life. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about peace. Maybe we've lost some of our morality along the way because of decisions we've made. Maybe we've picked up some things in our life we don't want, like pain that someone else caused to us. It's just life. And we know that there are setbacks in life. And this series is all about turning your setback into a comeback that with Jesus, you can actually take it back. And this has been our key verse, the entire series. And I'm gonna go there again with you this week. Jesus said this, here's what Jesus said. The thief comes only, and remember we added this part last week, that he might, he doesn't have to do this in your life. And I'll tell you why in just a moment, that he might still kill and destroy. And we talked about those three words two weeks ago. If you want to know what those mean, go back and watch that message. But here's what Jesus said. But in other words, there's another way to live life. There's something else on the table for you. But I came to give you life and life to the full. Satan is in the business of subtracting from your life. Jesus is in the business of adding to your life. And you just need to remember, you need to know this if you've never been told this. There is an enemy, and you're not married to the enemy. You might think you are, but there is an enemy trying to destroy your marriage behind the scenes. There is an enemy who wants to steal what's so precious to you that you can't find anywhere else. Peace, joy, 
kindness, patience. It's the things that Jesus comes to give because he knows how to best live this life. And so he says to you, I want you to know I'm coming. I'm looking at you and I'm putting an offer on the table for you. And it's to give you what nothing else in this life can give you. And if you've lost it, I know how to give it back to you. You How do you know that? How can you say that so confidently? Because right before Jesus left his disciples, he had died, come back to life, and he's meeting with them. He makes this statement, and here's what Jesus says. All authority, not some authority, not a little bit of authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, here's the question. If Jesus has all authority, how much authority does Satan have? Just type it in the chat window. Just type it out right there. How much authority does Satan have in your life? You need to type it. You need to say it. The answer, none, zero, ofer. Why? Because Jesus has all the authority. So this is why Jesus can step into your life and say, hey, listen, the only thing he can do in your life It's a lie, deceive, and then intimidate. He wants you to believe there's no hope for you. He wants you to believe that once you've lost something, it's impossible for you to ever get it back. But Jesus is reminding you, but I have all authority. And here's what that means. Since Jesus has all authority, here's what it means. If you lost something, there's hope. There's hope for you. Now, it doesn't mean that what you had might come back to you, such as a marriage. But what you lost during the losing of that marriage, you can have joy, peace, purpose, significance. The things, again, that we lose internally is where life is really found anyway. And these are the things that Jesus said, I came to give them back. Now, you find this all throughout the Bible. It's actually the very beginning of the story of the whole Bible, right? God loves finding things that are lost. Adam and Eve, they lost it all. The enemy promised them everything, and yet they lost absolutely everything he was promising. He's a complete liar. He's a complete thief. But God comes looking for them. Not only does he find them, because he loves finding lost things, He restores them and then he blesses them. It's amazing. This is what God loves. He loves doing this in your life. Not only have you lost some things, he knows how to give it back to you. And when he does, he blesses it even better than it was before. We talked about that very first week. If you didn't hear that part, make sure you go back and listen to the very first message. Here's what Paul said to a church. They were doing great with Jesus. They were passionately loving him and serving him. But then he just kind of stopped and he said some words that I think we can take to heart today. Here's what he said. He said, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. He's saying, hey, listen, every now and then you just gotta stop and say, how am I doing? (laughs) Like, where's my heart? Where's my mind? How am I doing in this following Jesus thing? Let me kind of test it out to see where I've been, see what's happening. And then if I'm not where I want to be, let me do something about it. Let me take back maybe something that I've actually lost along the way. 
And then he writes to a group of people. The same guy is writing, Paul. And here's what he writes to a group of people in Galatia, a bunch of Christians. Here's what he says. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, let me point out a couple of things about this, okay? It says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It was a one-time event, but that one-time event happened in the past that will actually keep you in the present. He set you free. He keeps you free. He says, so listen, so stand firm. In other words, don't waver or drift back again into a yoke of slavery. Now, I wanna, I wanna share with you why he explained this, okay, and why he said this. Because when you were born, you were born into slavery of sin. It's, uh, scripture actually says that you were born a slave to sin. In other words, you didn't sin because that's what you wanted to do. You sin because it's who you are. Behavior follows identity. It, you don't do something over and over and over and over and over, and finally you become that. It's that you do something over and over and over and over because you are that. Now, we've got some of our staff here, so I'm gonna ask them the identity. What does this animal do in one word? The behavior follows the identity. Now, I want you to follow along at home too. You can say it or you can just type it out, whatever you wanna do. What do fish do? Are you ready? Fish, swim. Very good. We have the advanced crew here. If you missed it, they got you covered, okay? Fish, swim. This is how they behave. Why? Because it's who they are, right? Fish swim. Next picture. Birds fly. Good. We're two for two. Number three. Dogs bark. Good. Cats. <laughs> they said cats die. I'm going to go with another word. Annoy. We'll go with annoy. How about that? Is that one better? Okay. Cats annoy. They die. Should die. Okay. So cats do this, right? Okay. What about this one? Cows, okay, so identity comes before behavior. It's what they do. So next picture, sinners, sin. You see it? This what they do. Like there's no other option. A sinner might have a good moment in life but it's not who they are at their core. Now I'm gonna answer the last one for all of us, you ready? So, a follower of Jesus is free. This is what Paul is saying. If he has freed you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a son or daughter of Jesus, the mark of your life, the behavior of your life is one of freedom. Why? Because you are free. You are his. You're his son. You are his daughter. Therefore, the consequence, the reaction to, the result of your life is freedom, not sin. It doesn't mean you won't occasionally sin. It just means you are free and you choose him, follow him, and you continue living in freedom. This is what the mark of a Christian is all about. So he says in that verse, so don't go back to being a slave anymore. The truth he said was this, in Jesus, we have been set free. Jesus died, came back to life, set you free, period. Game over, end of story, no debate. 
It's the reality we can live in, but that's the reality we struggle with many times. Here's how I wrote it down. There's a difference in being free and living free. There's a difference in knowing, yes, I follow Jesus, I've given my life to him and I am free. But there's a big difference in living in freedom. You can know one, but not experience the other. Yeah, take, take the Israelites, for example. The Israelites, God's people. Amazing story of how they even got to Egypt. I'll let you go back and read that yourself. But they're growing in Egypt. Families are growing. Now you're at 1 million plus Hebrews in Egypt, but they are in slavery. They were in slavery under Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at the time, for 400 years of slavery. 400 years you're going to make bricks. 400 years we're going to abuse you. 400 years, it's all you know. Can you imagine for generation after generation after generation after generation, you are a slave. Your kids ask you, are we ever gonna be free? Well, we don't quite know what freedom is. As a matter of fact, we don't know what freedom is. So odds are no. Your dad's a slave, your granddad was, and it goes for 400 years. And then one day, God shows up God shows up and sets them free, defeats the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, by making fun of all of his gods. Oh, you, you guys worship frogs? How about this? How about I just cover all of your beds with frogs? He takes their gods, makes fun of them. At the end of the day, Pharaoh says, I can't take enough. Your God, I'm not. Take them. They leave. God destroys the Egyptians. Watch. And a few days with a little bit of hardship, just a bump in the road here, bump in the road there. They want to do something. Here's what they said. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? <laughs> they were free. They didn't know how to live in freedom. And as a matter of fact, Nehemiah tells you something else about this statement. Here's what Nehemiah says. They acted arrogantly and decided not to return to Egypt, to return to their slavery in Egypt. It's not that they just want to go back to Egypt. They were willing and wanting to go back to their slavery in Egypt. And we think to ourselves, you got to be kidding. Who would do that? I wouldn't do that. There's no way. If I saw God do this miracle and that miracle and that miracle, and he set me free from slavery, there's no way I would ever want to go back to the slavery in Egypt. And I would argue... Not only do we sometimes say that, we actually go against that. And we're all tempted, aren't we, to go back to the same thing that God set us free from. Here's how I put it down. Why would we do that? Because bondage is comfortable because it's known. It's comfortable because it's known. It's all they knew. So it was what they were comfortable with. They didn't want it for their kids. They didn't want it for their life. Didn't want it for their marriage. But it was comfortable because it's all they knew. When Jesus says, I'm stepping into your life to do something new, to give you life, since we don't know what that is, it scares us. So we would rather live in bondage to a sin or a lifestyle of sin 
than letting it go because we know this. We just don't know freedom. We don't know how to live in freedom. And our heavenly father keeps calling us out. But I set you free. I have set you free. It's past tense. You don't have to go back. He has no authority on your life in any area of your life. Now join me and follow me in your freedom. You are free. Don't go back to slavery. So here's the question. I've asked it every single week. You knew it was coming. So you got to get ready. Here's the question. Are you living free? Not are you free? Are you living free? Come on, be honest. Come on, just like we read in the passage. Sometimes you just got to do a heart check. Are you in total bondage to something? Or are you in total freedom in your life? Like there's, there's total peace. There's total joy. Your identity, you know who you are. You've got this mission and this purpose in life. Or have you fallen back a little bit? Is there an area or areas of your life where you used to have total freedom, but you're slipping back into bondage or you feel like maybe, just maybe, you've never had freedom in your life, which I wanna talk about in just a moment. But if you've fallen a little far back or, or if you would say, I've never experienced any of that in my life, the answer to living in your freedom is the same answer that set you free. It's the gospel. This is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has saved us. I'll make it personal. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has saved you, period. Now, here's where we get messed up a little bit, okay? We think of that word saved, and we think of, well, yeah, when I die, I'm saved from hell. I'm going to go to heaven. Doesn't everybody want that deal? Yeah, I would think so as well. But did you know that's not the good news? That's just part of the good news that you get heaven when you die. When Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give you life to the full, away from bondage, away from slavery, I want you to be set free. That doesn't mean like when you take your last breath. He meant right now. I want you free right now. You have been set free right now. That's the good news. That is the word saved in the Bible not saved when I die. That's the extra. The saved is right now. As a matter of fact, the Greek word saved actually means this, saved. It's the word sozo. And here's what it means. To rescue from the danger, destruction, and power of sin into safety and wholeness. Jesus came to save you from the danger destruction and power of sin, not only to rescue you from that, to save you from that, but then to place you in his safety. It doesn't mean every now and then you're not tempted. It doesn't mean that you can just see Satan across the room. He's coming at me. I know it. Here he comes. It doesn't mean you can feel him breathing down your neck at times. It just means you're not in his claws anymore. You don't have to say yes to him anymore. You're safe with God. And, and now there's a wholeness that what you were looking for in sin, you have found in Christ. And there's a wholeness that you have experienced. So why would you ever wanna go back to slavery again? And and, And I love what the Bible says about the message of the gospel it's interesting. It's like, it's like Paul, the guy who's been giving us all these verses, puts people into two camps when it comes to the message of the gospel. Here's what he says. The message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. 
but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, I, I wanna talk to you about this verse real fast. The message of the gospel, what I just told you, that a man, yes, a God man, yes, 2000 years ago, came to live a life you could not live, die a death you could never have died, and came back to life for you to give his life to you is foolishness to those who are in bondage, to those who are, are currently perishing. Interesting, you wanna know the word foolishness in Greek? It's where we get the word moron from. Don't be a moron, believe this, right? Now, you don't wanna go telling your friends that, well, you're just a moron. Here's what the writer is saying. Here's what Paul is saying. It is moronic not to believe that. Here's why, don't miss this, don't miss this. Because you look at your life and it's perishing. The word perish, again, doesn't mean when you die, you go to hell. It means right now, things are falling apart in you, around you. It's that your life is perishing in front of your eyes. And he says, so I'm stepping on the stage to give you the gospel. Why? Because to us who are being saved, the tense of this verb, again, is not happens when you die. It's what you can't do now. That you need the power now to be saved now. Not later, but right now. And it's active. It is you are being saved in hope, in love, in life now. And it's coming from the power of God. This is what the writer is saying. The power of the gospel. And our danger is that we get so wrapped around church life, we hear it so much, we do the songs, that we just kind of lose the power of the gospel. That it's not just what set us free, it's actually what keeps us free. Without it, we drift back on the chart and we lose ground with Jesus. Again, here's what the same writer wrote in Galatians. He put it a different way. He said, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of the gospel. Again, not be saved in the grace of the gospel of Christ. That's true, but to live in it day in, day out. And you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. He's saying, listen, the secret to life is you just dance with the one who brought you. Jesus brought you to the dance of life, so you keep dancing with him. When you think life is found somewhere other than him, you are submitting your life to a different gospel. Remember, the gospel is, it is Jesus Christ who came to save you. Turning to a different gospel means you're turning to something else to save you, to give you life. So many different gospels. These are just a few that I wrote down, just three. What kind of different gospels are there? Freedom gospels, the one of self-help. I can do it all by myself. I don't need a counselor to help me work things out. We don't need a counselor under my marriage. You need a counselor, but we don't need a counselor. We can do this by ourselves. I don't need help. I got it. Here's what you're saying. I know how to set myself free from what bondage I'm experiencing in my life. That's a self-help freedom gospel. Here's another one. Freedom gospel is the world. I'll have a lot of more freedom. I'll experience life and freedom if I have more followers, fans, or finances in my life. It's not that you don't love Jesus. It's not that you're not a believer in Jesus. 
It's just a different gospel that you're leaning on to find freedom and life. And then this one kind of covers it all for all of us. It's the Jesus plus something plan for gospel freedom. It's that it's Jesus plus something. I do love him, but I need a little something else. I need a little bit more religion in my life. I need to memorize a few more prayers in my life. I need to serve a little bit more. I need to do a little more. And here's what he's saying. It's not Jesus plus something. As a matter of fact, there was a fear that he had uh, that the writer uh, Paul actually had. There was a fear that he had with the Jesus plus something plan. And here's exactly what he says. He goes, I'm afraid. Here's my fear. That just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, there's the thief right there in Genesis, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion. This is last week, your passion to Christ. He goes on and here's what he says. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the Holy Spirit that you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it so easily enough. It's not that you negate it, it's the Jesus plus. He's saying, and you've just gotten into, it's just like you don't even know you're thinking that way. It's the Jesus plus, and here's all he's saying, it's only Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's just him. It's always been him. Jesus saved you, rescued you, continues to save you, and continues to rescue you. Now, if you you need like a question to think about of, is it Jesus plus something else for me? Here's just a couple of questions to think about, just a couple. Do you talk more about what you have done or what Jesus has done? Like when you think about it, do you talk more about your good deeds, or maybe what you haven't done because that makes you a little bit better? Or is your conversation so full of, you won't believe what Jesus did for me. You won't believe him. This is amazing what I've learned about Jesus. Here's another question. Do you talk more about what you have to do or what Jesus is doing? Like, is it something you have to do or are you constantly looking back, Jesus did this, but you won't believe what he's doing now. Listen, when's the last time you had like a Jesus story in your life? Not somebody else's story, but a Jesus story in your life that you could share. You won't believe what Jesus is doing right now in me, around me, through me. This is the craziest thing. I gotta share this with you. He alone is life. He alone is freedom. It's him and nothing else. Simply put, eternal life, here's how it's written. This is eternal life, that they know you. It's that simple. Not when you die. Life right now, that they know you. That they know you. That they know you. In the midst of temptation, that you know him. In the midst of a season where everything is great, that you know him more. This is life, that you know him. So, When the thief, to kind of wrap up the entire series, when the thief comes to take something from you, just stop and say it. In Jesus, I am free. When he wants to take something from you that's valuable, just stop and say it out loud. No, no, no. In Jesus, I am free. 
I was set free, I am free, and I'm gonna stay free. I'm not going back to slavery. You're not taking back anything else from me. You're a liar, a deceiver, and your intimidation will not work. All authority has been given to Jesus. I'm gonna sit with Jesus. So in Jesus, I am free. These are the stories that we continue hearing as a staff from you during this series, and we couldn't be more excited. So many of you have given your life to Jesus. You have found Jesus during this series. So many of you are taking steps to tell the world through baptism that you've given your life to Jesus. So here's my invitation to you today. It's been this way every single time we've talked. Do you know him? And if not, do you want to know him? I'm inviting you to maybe for the first time say yes to Jesus Christ and allow him to rescue you, save you, heal you, and make you whole on whatever the thief has broken or stolen from you. He loves finding lost things and making them better. And it begins with us personally. So if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Just say the words, dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm surrendering my entire life to you today. You know how broken I am. You know every sin I've ever committed against you. And I'm sorry. I need you to save me. To rescue me. To heal me. To make me whole. Thank you for coming to find me today. My answer to you is yes. I commit to follow you. Thank you for setting me free. Because in you, I am believing I'm free. Thank you for the gift of freedom and forgiveness today. Thank you for dying for me, coming back to life for me, and giving your life to me. I celebrate you and you alone in this moment. Thank you for accepting me into your family today. In your name I pray, amen.